today we are ministering to families. Ministering to families. Jeremiah 31.1. At the same time, says the Lord, will I be the God of all the families of Israel and they shall be my people. At the same time, says the Lord, will I be the God of all the families of Israel and they shall be my people. I know you see Israel there, so you may feel excluded. But if you go to Ephesians 2.12, I'm reading from the King James. And we will take a few different uh, translations today. That at that time, you were without Christ being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel. At a point in time, this Jeremiah 31.1 did not apply to us. It was only to all the families of Israel. But in the New Testament, after Jesus died, after he shed his blood, the Bible says in Revelation, he is the one who washed us with his own blood from our sins. So he pulled us into God's family. So Ephesians 2.12 says that at that time you were without Christ. At first you were. Being aliens from the commonwealth of Israel, you were strangers from the covenants of promise having no hope and without God in the world. But now, now, now in Christ Jesus, you who sometimes were far off are made near by the blood of Christ. We are one big family. Jewish people, Christians, one big family. Now the family is slightly different because we are on a better and a new covenant. It's a new covenant Secured for us by the blood of Jesus, but it's still better. Amen. And we're going to talk a little bit about families today. The Lord woke me up this morning. He gave me this prophetic word, so I'm going to read it to you. I care, says the Lord. I care for the families of the earth. I care for man and thought he should not be alone. So I gave him a companion. I care for the woman, so I gave her a protector. Her husband. I care for the children and gave them parents. I care for the grandparents, so I gave them the reward of fruitfulness in their older age to be surrounded by the love of their children and grandchildren and to continue to bear fruit in their old age. God said to me, I created the family unit. I created the husband, the wife, the children. I did. When I said be fruitful and multiply, that means spread and fill the world, fill the earth. But it also means multiply. And it means multiples and multiples of people, but in units. So you may have about, I think we're about 7.2 billion, I'm not sure, of people in the world right now. But God doesn't just see them as this mass of people. He sees them in units, family units. Now each unit is different. You have a unit where you may have a husband and a wife and children. You may have a unit where you have a single mom and children. You may have a unit where you have a man and children, but they're units. And when God looks, he looks at families. Amen. It should be a place where where, there should be units will bring joy, protection, peace, and celebration. It is a place of safety. It should be your safe zone. It should be the place of support, not a place of competition. Not a place of favoritism. 
like Cain and Abel, like Isaac and Rebekah. Not a place of pain like Sarah and Abraham and Hagar. Not a place of murder and incest like Amnon and Absalom. All those things you see that are quite different from what God planned is the corruption. The corruption of the world. The corruption the devil brought in from the very beginning. That corruption was introduced by temptation and sin. And it has been perpetuated by temptation and sin. So you're asking, is she going to read from her notes all through? (laughs) I promise you not. But this is what God said to me. He said, that family unit has a manual, a blueprint of how to run the family. All these things that you see that are different, it's not the perfect will of God, but God has a way of fixing it if we'll let him. Amen. Amen. So I want us to think about the very first family. Open your Bibles to Genesis 1.26. And let's start to create a picture here. And let's start to see how God has a plan and a blueprint. Everybody, like Pastor has started doing today. I told myself I'm bringing my Bible to church. (laughs) Everybody, hold up your Bible. (laughs) This is my Bible. Bible. Say it loud and clear. This is my Bible. It is God's love letter to me. I am what it says I am. I have what it says I have. I can do what it says I can do. I am a believer, not a doubter. This word will produce in my life in Jesus' name. Amen. It's something about confession. When you say it starts to happen. When you keep it in your heart, it doesn't happen. So we have to keep saying it. Genesis 1.26, and God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Go all the way to 27. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he, him. Male and female created he, them. 28, and God blessed them and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion. Be fruitful, multiply, replenish. So he's saying now, you're going to have other men and women that look just like you. You know, a dog has puppies. A monkey has monkey babies. I don't know what they call them. (laughs) A horse has what? They used to give us this English language test where you have to know what the name of the baby is. Uh, I I think a sheep has lamb and um, donkey, I don't know. Um, But you produce like like your kind. So um, a, a man and a woman will have kids and not have puppies. I know, it's icky, huh? So the way it should work is when they come together, they should multiply. And that's why we're here today, like I was saying My mom and dad had me and four other kids. And when you think about it, God already had this plan. God could have created a world full of people. He didn't have to make just one man. In fact, he started with one man, and then he went and took a rib out of his side and then made the woman. But God wanted units. So Adam and Eve had their kids, Cain and Abel. 
those had their kids. And so you see the whole earth filled up, but they were in units, units, units. And there is a specific grace and blessing upon those units. So we need to know how to access it so we can have what God wanted us to have. So God blessed them, verse 28, and said unto them, be fruitful, multiply. Now let's look at um, Genesis 2, 7. And the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. So when we say God made man, this is the actual process. Chapter 2 tells us how he did it. The Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And man became a living soul. And then he put him in the garden of Eden. Verse 18 in Genesis 2. And the Lord said, it is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him a help meet for him. I want us to read that in the Amplified. Start to see the love of God. A family unit is not a place of pain. God already foresaw it as a place of joy, companionship, pleasure, increase, prosperity in a family unit. Genesis 2.18 in the Amplified said, Now the Lord God said, Hmm. You would think God already knew this before he made man. It's like he finished making man, looked at the guy and said, God, this guy is not complete. There's something missing. Then he says, now the Lord God said, it is not good, sufficient, or satisfactory that the man should be alone. I will make him a helper, suitable, adapted, and complementary for him. That was the plan. Not a competitor. You have your business, I'm going to have my own business. You get promotion, I'm, I have to have promotion. No, complimentary. And, and today we won't delve deep into marital issues because we don't really have the time. But just take nuggets as I walk through this. God said in the message translation, it is not good for the man to be alone. I will make him a helper, a companion, a companion. So that's what God said. I loved man, so I gave him a companion. Amen. But he was also given a task. Protect that person I gave you. So one of the things the Lord did in Genesis 2.15, and the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to dress it and to keep it. Keep in the Hebrew means to guard, to watch over, to protect You may say it's the garden, but if you go to Ephesians 5, Ephesians 5, 22, this is where women get very uncomfortable. Did you see it yet? Mm -hmm. Don't worry, it's, it's all good. It's all right. Wives, submit. Mm, Don't worry, take a deep breath. It's going to be all right. Wives, submit yourselves unto. <laughs> Let me preach this one. Let me preach. <laughs> Wives, submit yourselves unto your own husbands as unto the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church and he is the savior of the body. Uh, I know men pull this card out. When things get real tough, they just pull this card out. I am the head of this home. The the Bible says. 
I am the head. Hold on. Hold on. Verse 23 says, for the husband is the head. Yes. Even, but look at how he is the head. Not to lord over this woman who actually is your equal. The Bible makes it real clear. In Christ, we are equals. I voluntarily submit to you. But I must, if I want the Bible way of marriage and the family unit. It's not because um, I'm not good enough and I am inferior that I'm submitting to you. But I'm following a blueprint here now. I'm following a manual for the family unit. So I'm doing that voluntarily. Not because you're better, but because I'm following a blueprint. But you too, you are doing yours, not because you have to, but because you too, you are following a blueprint. I like the word savior. He is the savior of the body. He says, be the head of the wife, even as Christ is the head of the church. He is the savior of the body. That Hebrew word translates to preserver, deliverer, one who saves from danger or destruction, one who brings into a state of prosperity and happiness. You, my husband, that's your job. Protect me, preserve me, bring me into a place of happiness. Don't step all over me, make my life miserable, make me want to go back to my dad's house. Because when I was in my dad's house, he protected me. He put his arms around me. I was the apple of his eye. There were four other children, but I personally believe. (laughs) Well, my siblings are not here, so I can say. I personally believe that I was the favorite. (laughs) Just kidding, but I'm saying... I've enjoyed that kind of corseted kind of life in my father's house. So when I come, I'm actually exchanging protectors. My father is no longer my protector, but now you become my protector, my preserver. You bring me into my place of happiness. See, there is a blueprint. There is a way God wants this to go. So, he says, let's go back to Ephesians. For the husband is the head of the wife. Even as Christ is the head of the church. And he is the savior, the deliverer, the protector, the preserver of the body. Therefore, as the church is subject unto Christ. So let the wives be to their own husbands and in everything. Husbands, love your wives. Even as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for it. Christ would rather die than for me to go to hell. And he did. He actually died. That's why I'm not going to hell today. So he gave himself for me. The flip side though is I the wife come under the covering of my husband. There is a grace for being a husband. I don't have it. And there's no reason for me to want to have it. Don't you like all the girly things like you can make your hair, wear stilettos, do stuff? Why do you want to wear all those boring pants? They only have shirts. We got dresses. 
we going to make up. Hallelujah, sister. Why do you want to be exactly like your husband? No, you are complementary to him. In fact, the Bible says a good wife is a crown to her husband. He should be proud of me, but I come under his covering. So when he has received through interaction with God, the direction for the family, we don't argue. We just say, oh, is that what the Lord said? Okay, let's do it. We don't say, hey, so because you thought you went to school and I didn't go to school. What, what, what? Uh-uh, uh-uh. Take a deep breath now. Take a deep breath. Come under the covering. I can say this now. I've been married almost 30 years. So I can say, I know the different faces of, you didn't bring me from the village. I went to school. <laughs> you say this. He says one, I say 10. After a while, I knew it wasn't working. He didn't pay me. It was of no help to me. So come under the covering. Let him do his job. Don't frustrate his life. Leave him alone. Let him be the man God made him to be. And it has nothing to do with who earns more. The grace is upon the husband. The grace is upon the husband. You don't have it. Mind your own business. Walk in your own grace. Let the man be the man. Enjoy yourself while he's doing all the work that a man does. Did you see? Keep the garden. Do this, do that. You are just, honey, so what are we eating today? Enjoy. Don't stress. Don't struggle with the man. Allow him. Let him be. Submit. It's not that bad, I promise you. It really is not that bad. Let the man have the last say. Keep quiet. Keep quiet. Let him finish. He's talking. He's talking. This is what I believe the Lord will say. He said, I heard the Lord too. (laughs) You know, we're equal in Christ. We know. But you don't have the grace of husband. You have grace of wife. So, So it comes a point in time where you keep quiet. And let him be the man. It has nothing to do with your earning power. Let him be the savior, the preserver, the protector, and let him have his voice. Let him be and honor him and and cause your life to complement it. So for those who are not married but are wanting to be married, it's an adaptation. And if you feel that you don't feel like adapting to anybody's life, leave marriage alone. Just just leave it alone. Because if we're going to follow the blueprint, the minute you get into that marriage covenant, your life starts to change. And the part that is very annoying, it looks like the man's life doesn't change. He just keeps going. And he's like, "Uh uh-uh, wait, I was going somewhere. Yeah, this is what marriage is all about. We will adapt, we women, we will adapt ourselves because we complement. You are not the leader of, sorry, you are not the leader of that family. Sorry. It just is. This is the blueprint. The man is. And he's going to have to have his voice. And you're not going to shout him down with a shrill voice. 
Because you can speak faster, like people like us. If you allow me, I'm just going like that. Because you can speak faster. And people like us who used to sing soprano in the, in the choir, you, you have a shriller voice. The man is trying to get a word in you. He's like, no, 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 no. Mm-mm. Take a deep breath. Allow him to lead because he has the grace and the mantle for leadership in that marriage. Now, you may be the CEO of your business. When you step out of the house, you go give orders. Tell your employees what you need them to do. But you don't bring the CEO garment. It doesn't work. And if you do that, you will pay the price for it. Because the blueprint does not allow you to lead the family. The blueprint put that leadership mantle and grace on the man. Then before you get too happy, make sure you're doing what you need to be doing. Make sure that you're walking in the grace. Uh, we, we need priests now. The woman shouldn't be doing all the praying. You know, help us, help us. We want to pray, but you need to lead us. We don't want you to lead us from your mind. You woke up, you saw your friend had three cars. It's like, why don't we have three cars? You come home, you tell your wife, we're buying the third car. And the woman says, but why? We have two cars. Both are functioning. Both are well. And he says, I'm the head of this home. Did you hear that from the Lord? And she's not dumb, by the way. And she's not spiritually dumb, too. She too, she prays. If you insist and the Lord did not say you are leading your family into a ditch. So you better do your praying. So these are the different graces from the blueprint the Lord gave. And then he gave a grace upon the children. There is a grace to be a child. And that grace allows the child to prosper. If you read Ephesians 6 from verse 1. This one, there is no discussion about this one. This is how it works. This is really how it works. I don't speak there, you speak 10. I allow you now, this is how my father raised me. He will, <laughs> he will say what he wants us, he will say what he wants to say, then he asks for feedback. So we will go back and forth, back and forth. Of course, after a while, he gives us the final thing, we all go. But he really wanted to hear us because he felt foolishness was a lot in the heart of a child. And if you don't allow the child to say it, they will go out and do their stuff. So he allowed us, but at the end of the day, you obey. That's how it works. The grace upon the child for a season is to obey the parents. They become, they grow, become adults, and then there's no need for that because they become heads of their own homes. But there is a face you obey. And if you don't obey, then there is problem. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother. It is the first commandment with promise that it may be well with you and that you may live long. You, you want to stop untimely death? You want to have a good life? You obey. If you don't obey, you will get the repercussions. But right there, it says, fathers, don't provoke your children. So God has his eye on every member of the family unit. God has his eye. He has his eye on the father, the husband. He has his eye on the mother, the wife. And those roles are different. The mother's role is different 
from the wife's role. But you have a grace for both if you have children. Graces. Life is in faces and graces. Life is in faces and each face is supported by a supply of grace. There is a grace for singlehood that will help you live pleasing to God. There is a grace for being just a couple that is no children. That's a face. If you're in that face, I encourage you, enjoy it. Because when those children, <laughs> when the children come, and they're with you forever, live for life. They don't go, even when they're 50, they're still collected. So, <laughs> that face, I can just call my mom anytime. I say, I need, I try not to do that, but I mean, she's my mother, she's my mother. If I need something, she has to pony up. She brought me into this world. That's the way it works. So when you're in the face, that face of just a couple, husband and wife, enjoy it. But there is a grace for that season. It's not the time for fighting. You know, after you, you are so much in love and everything is so cool and so nice. You do the marriage, you're happy, you're in there and it's all good. After all, after a while, the shine kind of wears, and you see this woman without her makeup. At first, it's not a it's not a problem. After a while, it, it becomes a problem, and then she chooses to wear a wig, as opposed to getting her hair done, and it looks like she's always dressing up when she's going out. And here you are in the house; she doesn't dress up. She's in her nightgown. Till 5 p.m. She only tried to brush her teeth. No makeup. Hair all over the place. But now she says, oh, I have to go out. She puts the wig on. She does her face up and it's like, who, who do you have outside? Me, your husband, inside the house. So the shine starts to wear off. And then the argument starts. No. Employ the grace. There is a grace for love, joy, peace, pleasure. There is a grace that comes upon you for when you have children. The way I'm teaching this, and there's a lot to say, but I won't say it all. There's no point. Ecclesiastes 3. Remember that scripture? In verse 11. He has made everything beautiful In his time. There is a time for everything. There is a time to be a single person. Enjoy it. Because the single woman does not know that when she gets into her, into the marriage state, it's quite different from what she imagined it to be. If you don't follow the blueprint, you will regret the day you said, I do. You will. So you better be ready in your mind. And when you get there, follow the blueprint from day one. So that way the regrets never come. But that grace, employ it. Employ God's grace. Ecclesiastes 3.1. Do we remember that scripture? What does it say? There is a time and a season for every purpose under the heaven. There is a time. 
God dwells in timelessness, but he sees our lives in faces. And there's a grace supplied for each face. So let me talk to the women. There is a time for you to be a single woman. There's a time for you to be married if you want to be married. There's a time for you to have children. There is a time when those children will be young. There's a specific grace for when the child is just born. There is a specific grace for when the child is in the teenage years. There is a specific grace for when your child is 21, 22. And those graces that the Holy Spirit brings into your life helps you to act differently with that child. There is a grace for when you become a grandmother. Employ the grace. It's the same for the men. There is a grace for being a single handsome young dude. You will be single handsome when you are married, but the grace for singleness has gone. You now need to put on the garment of being a husband and a good one too, please. You don't chase after girls after you are now employed the grace of the married man. You had buddies and they will still be your friends, but there is a grace release for you now to know how to um, handle the relationships where you can still be friends with your bodies, but they now don't come ahead of your wife. If we follow the blueprint, it will work. It will work. It will work because God loves families. There's something about grace. Apostle Paul was one that said this in 1 Corinthians 15 verse 8. But by the grace of God, I am what I am. And his grace which was bestowed upon me was not in vain. Don't take the grace of God for each season. Don't take it in vain. Actually use it. Use it. He says in 2 Corinthians 6.1, Receive not the grace of God in vain. What is this grace we're talking about? We're talking about an empowerment. It's an invisible. Let me lay it down. It's an invisible cloak that comes on you. Remember, Joseph was a favorite of his father. And the Bible says he had the, he was, uh, Jacob made a coat of many colors and gave to his son, Joseph. The way I see it in my mind's eye is that every stripe, every color is like a different grace. Now, that's not what the Bible says, but that's the way I have been able to internalize it and employ it over the years. So, for example, for me, I have the grace of being a leader at work. But I have the grace of submitting to my husband when I get home. I have the grace of being a mother. Sometimes I feel I don't have enough. And then the Lord says, my grace is sufficient for you. So, I employ, I wake up in the morning and I say, Lord, this day is full. Thank you for the batch of grace released. I'm going to be... An executive today. I am going to be a wife today. I am going to be a mother today. I'm going to be a daughter to my parents today. And I'm going to be a sister to my siblings today. And I'm going to be a good friend to my friends. Different graces. Different relationships. But there is a grace for each one of them. And all you need to do is ask for it. 
and say, Father, I receive and I embrace it. You will see that they will go flawlessly. Flawlessly. So don't take the grace of God in vain. Employ it. Galatians 2.20. I do not frustrate the grace of God. Do you know you can frustrate the grace of God? The Holy Spirit keeps saying, let me help you. No, Holy Spirit, just, just allow me to handle this one. When I finish with this one, you can come. But this one, he ought not to do me like that. He cannot speak to me like that. Who does he think he is? Employ the grace. Let me finish this one. When I get into my prayer room in the morning, we'll sort it out. But right now, I have to give him a piece of my mind. Just a piece, not the whole thing, just small. And then you, you dissolve the peace in that home. I learned this along the way. Because there is a time and a specific time for everything on the earth. I have to guard every minute jealously. I don't want the devil to keep coming to steal my moments. He's stealing our moments. There is an amount of time I'm going to live on this earth. I am married. But ask people who their husbands have gone to be with the Lord. If they could take that time back, they would. Why am I going to waste any minute arguing? Now, I was number one arguer. I was a lawyer. I just never went to law school. (laughs) When my husband says it, tell me why. Tell me when. Tell me who. For what reason. The man is exhausted before he finishes saying (laughs) Explain it. He explains it. I said, no, you said that three times. Go back. Explain it again. Tell me. I've just said it. You are not listening. I wasn't listening. It didn't make sense. Go back. (laughs) Do you know how many minutes you waste that way? Minutes roll up into hours, hours, into days, days, into years. Don't let the devil be stealing from you. Don't let. If you have a moment of disagreement, take care of it right there. Honey, I'm sorry. Let's not go on in this conversation. That's fine. It's okay. I'm taking my moment back. Because you know what? When I was first married, hmm, for like five days, I would be just angry. I will cook. There will be food in the house. But I didn't speak peaceably. And then I will remember submit. So I will submit, but not willingly. So... You know how you are submitting, but it's obvious <laughs> that you are submitting physically, but inside. You know how I heard the story where a, a mother told the child to sit down because she, he was just being unruly. And then he sat down and said, I'm sitting down, but I'm standing up on the inside. I'm start- I was like that. Do you know how many months and years the devil stole from me like that? No, he doesn't have a ch- I he, No, he, he's not allowed. I tell stop right there, Satan. No, you will not steal one more minute from me. It's stolen. Those times you can't get back. Every time of anger, disagreement. And you know what? As you're being angry, disagreeing, you open a wide door for the enemy. Unforgiveness is... is, is 
if we, we won't go into demonology today, but I can tell you a little bit about it. It is what we call a door opener, an opening spirit on forgiveness. It opens the door to everything you never believed you would see in your marriage. Every single thing you thought you would never see. So don't let the sun go down. There's a blueprint for it. No, don't let it. Tell the devil you will not steal another minute from my life. You know how you go to work in the morning and you're very happy to be there and just one small stupid thing happens and the whole day is just lost. Don't let it. Take it right back. No, 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 no. You stop right there. Today is my day of joy. Today, in this home, there is peace. No arguments. There's harmony. We're working together. And you know the power of agreement is <laughs> the devil can't handle it. So, remember time. Your life is in seasons and in phases and you want to maximize each phase. I just want to speak. Just We're going to close in a little bit. But I wanted to say a little bit about... Um, Children, seasons and faces for children. So now our, child, our first child is going to be 27 soon. So that means we've kind of seen her all the way from birth. So she's gone through many faces. Um, like I said, there are different faces and graces. And I would like to speak to parents, especially of parents that have little children. There is a face you will never get back again. Those children, there's a time that they will never be that dependent and submissive to you. Not because they want to be, but it's just the face of that dependency has gone. From the time they're born till the time they're about 12, 13, 14, God has given you the permission to describe and draw and imagine and color and paint their lives into the exact picture you want it to be. He gave it to you. If you want them to be scholars, it's all in your hands. If you want them to be, you'll notice that they're very good at drawing, you want them to be artists, it's all in your, in your hands. Don't lose that face. Because they get to 13, 14, 15, and you are speaking, and they say, huh, mom, huh, huh? Now, if you had taken the um, younger years seriously, when you speak to them at age 14, they still listen. I mean, we speak to our 27-year-old, and she listens. But you had to start early. You can paint The picture. If you want a prosperous, peaceful home, you teach them. Above all, you teach them based on the word of God. There is a blueprint for life. They don't know any difference. They just came out of the womb. They don't know anything. They are very dependent. If you tell them red is black, they believe red is black. Whatever you tell them, that's all it is. So what I want to encourage you, 
don't let it pass, especially for mothers. Whether the child is a boy or a girl, don't let it pass. Shape that life. Shape it. If you want it to be a peaceful child, a well-dressed child, anything you teach them. If you want them to wake up and iron their clothes before going to school. If they don't know any different. If you want to make sure that when they make, they do their hair, ladies, they put a little gel here. When they are 17, they will be put in jail. If you tell them, let it be nappy, when they are 17, it will be nappy. Until a friend shows them how. But then that friend will show them many other hows. So, might as well tell them. If you want a boy to be smart and a man's man, then the dad shows him how to be a man's man. He doesn't know any different. You want to watch play dates. Who are they playing with? There is a culture in Nigeria where I come from. I don't think they do it anymore. But when a girl wants to marry, uh, you come home and you say, Dad, I want to marry this person. They do this thing in the traditional way. They, in those days, they will send people to go investigate that family. I know it probably never happens now, but they want to know. My parents did it. They wanted to meet my in-laws. They, they just wanted, they, they are nosy like that. You should be nosy like that. That's your God-given right. Be nosy. Be in their business. Be in their phone. Be, gag them. Let them not breathe. You know what? Because it's a face. That face is going to pass. You will have no right to do it. But you would have molded them in a way that they can't help but be that way. It's crucial. Play dates at night. Sleepovers. There's nothing wrong with it, but better know the family and where they're going. These are just practical details. Where are they going? They're always going. Have you finished your homework? If you want them to be Word people. And I, I have to give Pastor the honor of the dues for this one. You know, I was trained as a medical doctor. So the way I approach any illness, yes, I believe I was a woman of faith. But once my son, <coughs> hey, are you wheezing? Come, where's your inhaler? I, if, he, if he even does like his scratches, hey, let me see. What, what are you scratching? If he walks a little and he says, Mom, I think I have a headache. Headache! My medicine cabinet. I've opened everything. One day the father said, Has he prayed? We're talking of a five, four year old now. I say he's too small. It's too sm-. And he used to have bad asthma. I would say, Hmm. I had every paraphernalia in the house. Everything. In fact, there was a day my mom came. We were going for a conference in Oregon. And she flew all the way from England and came and stayed with them while we were away. And <laughs> she, he started wheezing. He went and told my mom. He was six. He said, Grandma, no, 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 no. 
This is the one you use. My mom was a lifelong pediatrician, long before he was born. My mom was maybe, I don't know how many years a pediatrician before Edie was born. He was telling her, so you use this, you use this mask, you turn this one on. He told her everything. She too, she was just looking at him. Because the mother, me, the mother, I had talked. Before he, he, he even sneezes, I pulled out the thing. Because I too did pediatrics. But you know what? It, it came a point in time his dad put, just put his foot on the ground and said, stop all this nonsense. Just stop. Started teaching him when you, the first cough, you pray. Taught him what to say. So I can't take, I can't take any credit. I cannot. Taught him what to pray, how to pray. Then when he was old enough to read, like age nine, he could read. He gave him this kind of thing, God's medicine. Read it back and forth, read it back and forth. Sat down with him, they discussed it. Then every morning he wakes up with him. Every morning. They do devotion together every morning, especially when he was getting to 10, 11. They did devotion together every, because there comes a point in time, especially for a boy, the mother is going to have to hand over that boy to the father. Oh, this cuddly. Mm. My son. And I was that, that was that mother. My son. And his dad will be so irritated. <laughs> there is a scripture that says, Husbands, don't be mad at your wives. Don't be bitter. Don't be frustrated. He needed to read that many times. Because, and especially boys, it's like, let him be a man. I said, my son. Before he does, I hug him. And he too was a cuddler. He would cuddle me. Ah, I would feel so good. Cuddle me. But I was, the boy was not growing the way he should grow. So, so the mother just took him away. Let me, let me raise this boy. <laughs> I used to think he was hard and harsh. I used to feel he was not right. I, in fact, there was a day we had a good argument on it. I said, you cannot tell me he's my son. He's my own son. Nine months I carried him. Good, good argument. I felt good. If not, that he put his foot on the ground, that boy would be so spoiled. In fact, I was not that soft with his sister. I was hard. But with him, my son. No, he doesn't need all that. Because the face will pass. And when that face passes, you don't want him chasing girls. You know, because if he, if he has a child out of wedlock at the age of 17, my son. Okay, bring the baby. I'll help you raise the baby. No, 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 no. There is a face. Calm down. Put your foot down. Be smart. Be sometimes hard, not harsh, not angry, but do all you know for the girls. Teach them. This is not the time to be. There is a time for having male friends and relationships. Here, now, uh-uh. Say it. They may hate you, but they hate you for now. They won't hate you forever. And he, there's no child that can tell me I hate you because <laughs> if you tell me I hate you, mom, you know, people do that. You hate me. 
in fact, don't say it because that's not a good thing to say because you will hear from me. <laughs> how about grandparents? Where do they come in? Grandparents, when you come in, how do you help raise these children in the way of the Lord? Grandparents, I just want to say it's not culture. We don't raise kids with culture. I know I don't have any grandkids. I will have one day. But I'm just telling you from the word of God. We raise children based on the word of God. The father and the mother cannot be doing their best the way they know it to raise this child in the way of the Lord. And you'll be pulling it. When they go to your house to go say hi and and be with grandma, that's when they learn all the... mm -mm. As grandparents, you reinforce the word. Because it takes a village, aunties and uncles. How do you do it? I know there are some things that our children won't tell us, but we tell the auntie and the uncle. Please, when they come to you, reinforce the word. They may even tell you, don't tell my mom and dad. That's between you and them. But please reinforce the word. Because it comes a point in time, now they will be your bodies. And whatever you've created at that time, that's what you have. So I, I, I don't want to just talk too much about that. But you need to employ the grace for that season. Be firm. Don't Mothers don't always be all cuddly and cuddly. Let the child breathe. I won't say more than that. Because... Um, I know all about it. I was, I was that. It wasn't helpful. So what we've heard is that God is very interested in families. God has a blueprint of how he wants the family to work. He didn't create a family and say, go figure it out. He gave us, this is the word. If we live in this, we will be good. God has designed the human life in faces. God pours out his grace for each face, and you are never without grace. That grace is administered by the Holy Spirit. It only makes sense to read the manual. So if the husband doesn't read the word, that's not okay. Leaving it all for the wife to do, that's not okay. The child should not always see that when we are talking about scripture, it's only coming from, from, the, from the mom. Child should see the man as a man's man, a man of God, a man who goes to church. Now he's telling the wife, if you don't stop this makeup, I'm go- I'll leave you behind. Firm. Leading his own home like Abraham did. Commanded his family after God. That's the kind of man God is looking for. So today, as we look at the manual, I'm going to ask you to do something for me. I want you to look at your family. It may be a single parent family. It may be a couple family. Whatever it is, I want you to look, maybe the way you're raising your children, I want you to identify one thing that you think you can do better in. Because there's no perfect, I've told you all my faults now, so there's no perfect family. What can you do better in? Just write it down. It could be in your marriage, it could be in your relationship with your kids. They may even be older kids. 
It could be in your interaction with your friends or your extended family, the way you allow them to just take over your family. Write it down. I'll give you two minutes to do that. If you don't have anything, I I will be... hmm. I'll be surprised because there's no perfect person. You may not be married, but you may be a child of somebody. God is a God of families. With that, I want us to stand up and we're going to pray. One thing I did not say, which I really wanted to say, is that part... And we say God is a God of families. The devil assigns demons to families, family units. This is why we have what we call generational curses. Anything you see happen in your parents' home that you did not like can happen in your home unless you determine that this is where it stops. In David's house, he had incest. His son slept with his daughter. He had murder. That daughter's brother killed that stepson that slept with his sister. There are things that move from generation to generation. And David brought it upon himself because he slept with somebody's wife. And God said, the sword will never leave your house. So his sons started killing each other. You need to stop it. If you come from a family that divorce is rampant, yes, you are not at the stage yet. You need to put your foot ground down in the spirit and say, no, it's not going to happen in this family. If you have homes where your uncle is an alcoholic, your father dabbles in alcohol, and you've seen it in your family. Those are specific demonic spirits assigned to your family. You find out the demonic spirits are different. The kind of issues you have in your family lineage is very different from the one I have. Someone's going to have to put their foot down and say, no, no more. You are a child of God with authority. You have to say it goes, it does not go beyond this Because when you stop it, your children don't get to have it. But if you don't stop it, your children and your children's children will have it. As God is a God of families, the devil assigns demonic spirits. And you know, those spirits don't die. Spirits don't die. So the demon that dealt with great-great-grandpa is still around to deal with your family. So you're going to have to say no more. You're going to say on this, I'm going to follow the blueprint. One, I'm going to determine no more. And then I'm going to follow the blueprint. If unforgiveness is something that is very rampant in your family. Where people can go for years and not speak to one another. Where you see your parents, they live in the same house, but... When your mom is mad one whole year, she may not interact with your dad. No, you do not want that in your family. 
Because when you look around, you see that it's happening in your uncle's homes and in your auntie's home. It's a spirit. It's not just, oh, I'm going to make my, my mind up. I'm going to change. There's some things that need deliverance and there's some things that is just a, you change. But we need to break that today. Amen. So we're going to do it by a will, by, you know, you saying this is where it stops. But we're also going to say, Satan, leave this home alone. Then there are things that you did not know. You didn't get saved early enough or you even got saved, but you didn't understand these principles. Things that have gone wrong and you wish you knew. Well, God is a restorer. He restores the years that the canker worms and the palmer worms have eaten. Three things we're going to do now. If you want to take that note you wrote, I want you to say to yourself, whatever it is, today this stops. I make a change. I, will, I switch now to the manual of God. I'm just giving you a few seconds to do that. Because until you say that, it really do, the restoration doesn't start. If you're an older child and you have not done right by your aged parents, you need to stop right now. Because if it is going to be well with you, you have to take care of your aged parents. That's how it works. God of families, not just of marriages, not just of couples of grandparents, of grandchildren. If you are a meddler in your son or your daughter's home, you need to stop right now. They're adults. They can handle it. They have grace. Don't meddle. Stop right now because you don't want their homes broken. Father, in the name of Jesus, we are so grateful. We are so, so thankful. For your word today, we embrace it. We embrace that word. You are the God of the families of Israel. We're part of Israel. Your eyes are upon every unit represented here today. And those watching us online. Father, in the name of Jesus, as we make a commitment based on the manual that you've given us for families. Let your grace be more than sufficient. Help us, Father. Help us to make that switch, that change in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father. Now, what I want to do with generational curses, and I'll need, Pastor, come help me here, please. If you can very quickly go around, just put a little oil on everybody's hand. I don't know what it is. Yes, like that. And you put it on your head and we're going to break generational curses. Let's do it quickly. Whatever you've seen, it may not even be a relationship issue, a marital issue. It may be a disease, diabetes from generation to generation, hypertension from generation to generation. Whatever it is, you're going to put it upon your head, that oil, that anointing oil today. And you're going to break that generational curse. It could be infertility. You're going to break that generational curse. Whatever it may be today, you're going to do it. We'll pray together a prayer of agreement and we're going to insist, Satan, you're going to have to take your hands off this family. It stops right here. 
right here, it stops. Please do it consciously. Remember this day, this time is 1.35 p.m. Remember the day, October 3rd, 2021, when you told the devil this is the last in this line. Where this will not go beyond this line. This will not go in my life, continuing my life, or continuing the life of my children's, or my children's children. This is it. This is the time. I draw a line in time. I draw a line in the sand. No more. Satan, no more. No more. No more. No more divorce in my lineage. Can you start to speak over yourself? Put it on your head and just speak it. And use the name of Jesus. The Bible says at the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. That devil has to stop every demonic activity that has been walking through your lineage. They have to stop. Stop in the name of Jesus. We give you charge today. You demonic spirits moving from generation to generation. Afflicting God's people. They have said today is the day. I join my face with each woman, each man, each child today. We stop this move of yours. This affliction of yours. We stop it right now in the name of Jesus. There is a name that is given above every name. At the mention of the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. You demon spirits, bow out of this families, bow out of this lives, bow out of the lives of these children, of these couples, of these adults, men, women, grandfathers, grandmothers, in the name of Jesus. The Bible says when a spirit is cast out, it goes on into the desert places, dry places, looking for a place where he can inhabit. If he does not find a place, it comes back to inhabit the same lineage, the same home. I want you to invite the Holy Spirit today. Invite the Holy Spirit into your lineage. Holy Spirit, take over my family. Take over my marriage. Take over my relationships. Heal. In the name of Jesus, fill our home. Fill our lives. If you're a parent over a child, you have spiritual jurisdiction. Start to speak over your children now. And start to speak over them. And say, in the name of Jesus, the blessing of God moves into your generation. It moves into your life. That blessing, that blessing restores every broken everything that is broken in the name of Jesus speak over those children they may be here they may not be here stand in the gap if they are adults and intercede for a minute for them intercede for the adult children children and say Lord I stand in the gap for my child for my grandchild come on now stand in the gap God hears, God listens, God restores. Hallelujah. If for any reason this message is coming a few years late and there's already...
pain, destruction, whatever it is. The Bible says God himself promised, I will restore the years that the canker worms and the palmer worms and the caterpillar have eaten. Oh God of restoration, call upon him today. Ask him to restore. You may want to stand in the gap for your siblings right now. You may want to stand in the gap for your parents right now. Those are the enemy have had the opportunity to go in their lives and destroy with drugs, with addiction, with alcoholism, with sexual impurity, with untimely death. The God of families, the God of the families of Israel who recognizes each unit, ask for restoration. Father, restore in the name of Jesus. We press into your presence. Restore, Lord, in the name of Jesus. God of families, there's some of your siblings, some of your children that do not know the Lord. Can you take one minute and intercede on their behalf? Ask that God will remove the veil. The only reason somebody wants to go to hell is because they don't know what hell is like. Pray that the Lord will remove the veil from their eyes and that God himself will reveal himself. Send people to them, whatever it takes for them to know the Lord Jesus. They're your family. You don't want to be in heaven and they're in hell. There is a lake of fire. You don't want them to be there while you are in heaven. It doesn't end here. You want to pray for that brother, that sister, that uncle. That auntie that just does not know the Lord. You want to intercede. And you want to ask that the Lord will reveal himself. Reveal yourself, oh God, to our family members. It is legitimate scriptural prayer. You can pray for their salvation. Yes, Lord. We release our faith for the salvation of our brothers and our sisters, our uncles and aunties, our parents. Our siblings who do not know you, Father. We ask, oh God, that you send people to them. Cause the scales to fall off their eyes so they know you, Father. In the name of Jesus. Amen. I want to ask one, two last things. If you are married and your spouse is here, would you hold their hand? And let's just prophesy. Find your spouse if they're here. And let's just pray for them. Your spouse may not be here or you may not be married. Can you please just pray for those people? Because the devil is out to destroy homes and destroy marriages. Can you please stretch your arms or your hands towards them? Father, in the name of Jesus, we pray that these couples will understand how to appropriate the grace for marriage. That the husband will be adequate head and leader of the home. And the wife will be a good follower and a compliment. And there will be harmony and peace and togetherness. Nothing missing, nothing broken in the name of Jesus. That when they are confused and don't know the way to go, you will speak to them both and you will talk to them and say, this is the way going in. And there will be increase and blessings upon this home in the name of Jesus. Help them, Lord. Help them to utilize the grace for marriage. The grace for each face of marriage. In the name of Jesus. And we pray for our brothers and sisters. Those who may have lost their spouses. 
And for one reason or the other, Lord, they're single and they're alone right now. We say you put your arms around them, Father. Help them to feel your love. The Bible says you are the husband to the husbandless. Help them to feel your love, oh God, in the name of Jesus. And help them, give them light in the midst of darkness. Help them to raise children if they're still raising them. Show them the way. Thank you, Father. And one last thing, if you have your children here, I'd like you to lay your hands upon your children. If you don't have your children here, just pray for them. You still have that anointing oil on your hand, just put your hand on their head and prophesy blessing. The Bible says before Jacob left, he called every child of his, 12 sons. And he prayed and left a blessing. Abraham did the same for Isaac. Isaac did the same for his children. Before they gathered their feet into the bed and gave up the ghost, David did it. Speak a blessing. There's power and blessing in your mouth. Speak it over your child. If you're a mother, you carried that child for nine months. You have the authority to prophesy a blessing over that child. If you're a father, you gave seed for that child to come into life. Speak a blessing. Be a man and speak a blessing over your child. That's your child. Speak a blessing. Describe their future. It is bright. It is successful. Nothing missing, nothing broken. Just like our Heavenly Father looks into our future and he sees shalom. A future we hope for. You have a future you hope for, for your child. Speak it forth. Speak it forth in the name of Jesus. And if you are still believing God for a child, long before we had children, we had been prophesying over our child. And everything we said has come to pass and more. Prophesy over the seed. If you're a man, the seed that will come from your loins. If you're a woman, the your, your womb will carry this child. Prophesy upon that child. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We give you praise. Describe. Describe the future. How rosy it is. How prosperous it is. How glorious it is. Oh, Father, we thank you. We give you praise in the name of Jesus. Finally, for every single person who's believing God to be part of a family unit, like being married, Lord, we stand in the gap. We release our faith for the right spouse in the name of Jesus. Someone who will protect for our women. And preserve for our men someone who will support and compliment and submit, someone who will fear the Lord. We ask and we receive this people into their lives, oh God, cause them to meet and touch where only you can arrange such divine appointments and encounters. 
do it, Father, like only you can. We thank you, Heavenly Father. We give you praise and glory. In Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. Yeah, we've had a good time today, haven't we, in God's word? Hallelujah. Amen. I want you to lift your hands and we're going to take the grace, but just give him a minute and just thank him. Just thank him for his good plan for you, his good plan for your family, his good plan for your grandchildren when you finally get to that stage, his good plan for your siblings, his good plan for your parents if you still have your parents, his good plan for your spouse. Thank him, thank him, thank him, thank him. God of the families of Israel. Father, we thank you and we give you praise and we give you glory. Thank you for visiting with us. Thank you, Holy Ghost. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Hallelujah.